Happy to be here. My name is David Ebenbach, and I'm the author of eight books of fiction, poetry, and nonfiction, including my new book, How to Mars, a novel about a sort of absurd mission to Mars. This is the first episode of a series with David Harris Ebenbach How to Mars. David, have you been a writer all your life? More or less. I mean, I, I didn't do a lot of writing when I was six months old, for example. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, from a very young age, we had this enormous manual typewriter in our house. It weighed about 1,500 pounds. And as soon as I could push the keys, I was pushing them. And, in fact, I was well known in my house for at eight years old. I wrote what I considered to be a novel. It was under 10 pages. It was about the Smurfs. And it was surprisingly violent. <laughs> yeah, many of the Smurfs did not make it through oh, uh, the sad. novel. It's a spy novel. Um, yeah, oh, it was nice. it was a tearjerker of a book for sure. It never got published for copyright issues, obviously. But uh, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I, I have been writing a long time. Smurf fan fiction, I love it. Yep. Now you've been publishing books of mainstream fiction up until uh, How to Mars. Is this? This is your first science fiction novel. How did this happen? Well, you know, it kind of snuck up on me. It's true. This is my eighth book, and there's poetry in there and fiction and nonfiction. And I don't think that I really realized I was writing science fiction when I was working on How to Mars. Basically, the same kind of thing got me working on it as everything else, which is to say confusion. I don't know how aware you were of the Mars One project when that was happening. I think I saw a... Canadian film that sounded like it, but I don't know if it was a it was a fiction. So it, ah. I, I don't know if it was deri- derivative work from that or not. But but no, I, I'm not really. In theory, Mars One was not fiction, though it sounded ridiculous from the start. It was this Dutch company, and they said, we're going to send a dozen people to Mars, for real. Um, we don't have the technology to bring any of you back, so you're going to be living there forever. And there's one rule, which is that you're not allowed to have sex with each other. Um, <laughs> exactly. So I, I heard about this, and I thought... Two crazy what? things, right? Mars and no yeah. sex. What the hell? Right. Mars forever <laughs> and no sex. And, and the whole thing was so implausible to me. I thought, who would go? Who would be willing to leave all of this behind forever? And then once they got there, are they going to be following the rules 15 years in if they're still alive? It just seemed preposterous to me. So, and yet... I became a little obsessed with this, and I started to follow, and thousands of people applied. I watched a lot of videos of applicants. Some of these people had families. Like, it was actually kind of depressing in a way. I thought, you know, you really want to leave your family forever. You're talking like a, a wife or a man leaving his wife and child or a wife leaving yeah. her husband. and uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean aunts and uncles. I mean, yeah, <laughs> wow. spouses and children. 
although it's a good point too. I mean, are we ready to leave our cousins and aunts and uncles? I don't know. Mm. Um, but there were thousands of people who were willing to do this. It turns out it's probably a fraudulent project and, and uh, nothing ever came of it. But I ended up writing a novel of what if you sort of carried this out? And like them, my project is funded by reality TV. You know, they proposed putting all these folks on a reality TV show about the mission. And that was what was going to fund the mission. So I said, okay, great, let's do that. And my novel, if per that one rule that they have, the first line of the novel is, this is how I find out Jenny is pregnant on Mars. <laughs> no. Because I, I think we know how that's going to go. Somebody broke the rules. All exactly. Right. Isn't that completely inevitable? So... Anyway, I mean, this is a long way of answering your question, but I wasn't writing thinking, I got to write science fiction. I was writing thinking, here's this really strange human thing happening in front of me, which is how everything starts. You know, I have a collection of short stories called The Guy We Didn't Invite to the Orgy, which is all about the weird ways that we include and exclude each other that I find super confusing. And this is confusing, too. So I wrote it and sent it off, and my agent said, let's get this out there. And and he targeted science fiction presses, and we ended up with Tachyon, which is a wonderful, wonderful place full of fabulous people. And all of a sudden, I was being talked about as science fiction, which is great and also kind of unexpected. So uh, I'm worried about you here, uh, David. Are you going to get uninvited to parties now that you've gone from mainstream <laughs> to science fiction? There are some hiccups, I think. For example, on social media, when I share about this, nobody seems to be really shocked and have their, you know, clutch their pearls or whatever. But I do teach at a university in an academic department, and I have not had as much luck talking about it in that environment. Just two days ago, I was at a lunch in my department, and I told somebody what I was working on, and she said, oh, I don't read science fiction. And it just felt very much like the end of maybe all the conversations we would ever have again. You know, that was it forever. Yeah, um, so there are those kind of moments where you, but at the same time, there are all these new worlds I get exposed to in sci-fi, all these readers, all these reviewers, all these blogs, podcasts, talking to you, things that I never got to do before. And in that way, I think the... The feeling goes both ways, right? That this is my eighth book, but as far as the sci-fi reading world is concerned, it's my first. So, you know, how come I wasn't invited to the party before? Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, it's just like that, the guy we didn't invite to the orgy, you know? <laughs> there's so many orgies we're not invited to. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting invited to new parties and maybe some uninvited from some old parties. Yeah. Yep. I, I think with your credentials, though, I think in that, whoever said that to you, you, you have, like, your backup. Like, well, you know, I write mainstream <laughs> fiction, and... You could start having an interesting comparison about how mainstream fiction versus science fiction, how they're, they're almost the same thing, but you know, there's a few yep. things, and you might, you might get some converts over there. You might be bringing people in from that other, other scene into, into science fiction. I would love I would love to pull people across that line in every direction, you know, in all the lines, because the lines are ridiculous. And what I often talk about with folks who are not used to science fiction is Ray Bradbury's quote, uh, which I'm not going to get exactly right, but science fiction pretends to be talking about the future when actually it's attacking the present and the recent past, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
I think he's just right. You know, well, it's probably not true in every case, but in many cases, we're talking about robots and other planets and travel through time as a way of looking at ourselves now. I was writing about Mars to write about Earth, really. So that's a one way that I, I bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, uh, the, the, the person you were, you were talking to, there is going to be some science fiction that she probably or he, whoever it was, can't even get into because there's such a, a package set of, of, of cultural hooks that come with science fiction. And, uh, mm. But, but I, I'm, 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 I'm kind of guessing when you come from the mainstream world, you're probably not using all those same, like, you know, like uh, hyposprays and FTL drives. You're talking about re- reality. And so I feel like you've dodged that right. bullet. Maybe so. Maybe so. I will say, though, I, I grew up on science fiction oh, um, okay. and fantasy. Oh, you've been dabbling um, then. So, yeah. <laughs> and my my if you look at my Netflix queue, it's been science fiction for a long time. But there there was a point where, you know, I was went to college and I read a ton of literary fiction there and uh, and loved it. You know, reading Toni Morris and reading William Faulkner and thinking these folks are brilliant. Um, and for, but for a long time, also feeling like, well, that's what serious writers do. They read those folks. They don't read other folks, which is really a shame when you limit yourself in that way. And in fact, for a long time, my fiction itself was very serious and didn't use humor a lot, even though humor is a a big part of life and part of what makes me happy to be awake, you know. I think it's only more recently that I've been willing to break some of the boundaries and say, you know, indulge in the things that I find pleasurable uh, on the page. And my hope is that if I'm enjoying myself on the page, the reader will too. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you with the headphones on who are listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts. You've been listening to the show for a while. You must be enjoying it because you keep coming back. Well, hey, help me out. Tell your friends, your family, other people who would like to listen to Sci-Fi Thoughts. Give me a hand. Help me grow the show. So go ahead and right now, just send a text message, write an email, Turn around and talk to the person next to you and tell them about sci-fi thoughts. They can find us via Google or they could type in sci-fi thoughts dot space. folks are really interested in the reality TV show piece of it, which I will say is intermittent in the book, because one of my theories about colonizing Mars is it's going to be super exciting for a while, and then after a while, you're going to be like, there's just a lot of red sand everywhere. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) that's my whole life is red sand. So, um, you know, the reality show gets canceled for a while in the book, and it's not until the pregnancy (laughs) starts that it comes back on.